so when we talk about modular nature what we have done is we, the building blocks for eae is jdal which is your geospatial data abstraction library which helps us to you know identify uh, for mapping of raster and vector data format and it helps us to translate then what we are using is we are using postgres sql as a database which allows us to show the data and uh, you know associations logistics Hello and welcome to yet another episode of the Geospatially Africa podcast, the podcast for the African geospatial community. My name is Okoyemi and today I have here with me Akansha Saklani. Akansha is a GIS analyst with the World Resources Institute. And for those of us that don't already know, the World Resources Institute is one of the foremost organizations helping governments, companies and individuals in their strive towards sustainable use and management of natural resources. So in today's episode, we'll be talking with Saklani about the use and application of GIS and geospatial technologies to energy access mapping or energy needs assessment, basically. And you know, for, for those of us that have been here for a while, you know that I always say that GIS is all-encompassing and can be applied in any and every sector so we've talked a whole lot about other humanitarian sectors and all but now we want to talk about how akansha and our team are optimally applying geospatial technologies to assessing energy needs the world over now thank you so much akansha for being here with us we are very pleased to have you and our listeners, of course, are very pleased to hear you today. So please, would you just introduce yourself? Thank you, Opami, for having me here. I'm Akansha. I'm working as a manager in the energy team at the World Resources Institute. So I started my education with bachelor's in technology and during my internship with Indian Space Research Organization, I got an understanding of geospatial data. And, uh, you know, that understanding was very great because it expanded my uh, knowledge of understanding from what and how to include where as well in it. And where becomes very important, as we know. And that is all about geospatial. Okay. So um, about yourself and uh, your, you know, using the Energy Access Explorer, because that's basically what we're going to be talking about today. It's a very cool tool that you developed with your team. And we really want to know much about that. So basically, how is geospatial being applied in energy distribution? So uh, geospatial data analytics is an integral part of the energy sphere. Location of power plants, distribution networks allows for efficient planning of energy distribution system. Understanding of the wind power potential or global horizontal irradiance allows users to understand what kind of renewable energy is feasible. So all in all, if we have, uh, you know, energy data and we have demand, it also allows you to understand what is the supply, what is our demand so that it can be a, a evidence-based decision or, you know, a supply is catering to where demand is not, you know, in the opposite direction. And for the Energy Access Explorer, geospatial data analysis plays a very important role as it allows users to visualize the energy supply in terms of physical infrastructure present and the renewable energy potential. Okay, perfect. So from what, what you're saying now, I think I understand the fact that, you know, you use GIS and geospatial technology and data to access the location of energy infrastructure 
and then to be able to know where they are enough or where they are not enough for you know companies and governments to plan more towards that sector am i right right and we can also say that this is infrastructure but now you know the word is moving towards renewables and we say you know clean energy and sustainable energy for all and one of the biggest renewable is solar power so if we have to uh, put a solar uh, power plant system even a rooftop solar plant so it's very important to know what is the global horizontal uh, irradiance which tells you what is the amount of solar radiation coming on the earth which uh, impacts the uh, the system of pvs uh, the pv system size and the efficiency of the systems so having a value of ghi will also help you to identify which is the right place to put what kind of a system because if you have a high coastline and if you know that wind speed is good you can always think of a small wind turbine you can think of a solar a pv system if it is the early uh, ghi value is more than 1650 per unit okay so also apart from the infrastructure gis also helps us to understand you know because an understanding of what type of energy you know a particular part of the earth receives more would would inform what type of renewable energy that area should focus on for example other um some countries get more sunlight than wind energy so you would advise such countries to focus more on solar you know solar energy type um, investment so i think that's what i understand from what you just said right that's correct that's perfect <laughs> that that's one of yeah that's one of the major reasons why most countries should really look to geospatial uh, technologies and even remote sensing to advise on their energy um, management and any so basically to consult companies like yours to you know come and help them plan how to invest in renewable energy basically right all right yeah so okay so then i want to just go jump right ahead into the energy access explorer like i came across it when you introduced it to 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 me and i just thought it was such an amazing tool that that could you know like you said can be deployed anywhere and everywhere can you talk more about that and maybe what bred you you know you focusing on that what started it out thank you for praising the energy access explorer it really you know boosts our confidence so uh, energy access explorer if i say it's an online open source interactive geospatial platform that uh, you know provides opportunity to visualize health energy education indicators and aid in decision making to accelerate the development of a place or a state or geography so the platform aids variety of stakeholders those working in energy sector healthcare education development organization as well as you know social uh, investors and donors eae uh, or energy access explorer provides additional demand side data to inform supply side decision making basically it's putting demand and supply in a single platform so that users can visualize and understand what is a demand what is a supply and planning and when we talk about uh, planning for energy access it should be demand driven informed by nuanced settlement characteristics such as resource availability socio economic indicators and this is where eae becomes relevant because eae has this data with it okay so from what you said now you mean that eae apart from you know mapping or um 
mapping energy needs also has the social economic part of it so not only you know what parts of the earth get what type of energy but also the people and the infrastructures in that part and the type of energy that they would need the amount so that you know if um energy planning would be well informed and basically holistic is that what you're trying to say yes okay okay perfect so basically from what i understand now the energy access explorer is an open source platform so any and everybody can go there and see the energy needs of their part of the world is it a global platform or it's just across a few countries for now so uh energy access explorer the way energy access explorer is conceptualized is for the countries which are energy uh, poor and which are you know facing energy power outages or they don't have access to electricity there so uh this i i it i would say that this is a global platform but this platform is not deployed for all the countries for us uh the main aim of deploying a platform to any country is you know where it has a need if the country doesn't have a need for a platform like energy access explorer then we would rather than focus on the countries which need it so that you know efforts are used and our partners and stakeholders are able to use the efforts which we have done so uh, right now we are focusing on sub saharan africa and indian geographies all right perfect because uh, as you said where there is need for it what came to mind is my country nigeria definitely has a need for it and even some other sub-saharan african countries so i'm i'm very happy that you said something about sub-saharan african countries what sub-saharan african countries um as the platform being deployed to so uh, the platform has uh, for uganda zambia tanzania kenya and uh, at the moment and then we have for zambia also and then we are moving in sierra leone and we are trying to expand to few more countries all right and hopefully nigeria soon <laughs> yeah yes nigeria is there okay actually <laughs> nigeria is there in nigeria we are working under a staff okay perfect under perfect. africa clean energy program technical assistance all right and all we right. have malawi and senegal also okay okay very soon i think there will be a uh, coverage it's total coverage for most sub saharan countries african countries definitely yeah very soon <laughs> okay so yes. um yeah so can we just talk more a bit about the geospatial tools and data sources that that informed the energy access explorer because you know here we try to uh, accentuate the geospatial in anything that we talk about so i know that definitely the eae is uh is informed by geospatial technologies so would you be um amenable enough to talk about some of the tools geospatial tools and data sources that informed the eae right so uh when we talk about geospatial tool uh let me first tell that eae is a modular uh, geospatial platform so which means it is completely customizable according to the geography thanks to its modular nature so when we talk about modular nature what we have done is we, 
the building blocks for EAE is JDAL, which is your geospatial data abstraction library, which helps us to, you know, identify uh, for mapping of raster and vector data format, and it helps us to translate. Then what we are using is we are using PostgreSQL as a database, which allows us to show the data and, uh, you know, associations, logistics. We have used uh, Postgres uh, REST for a API interface, which allows users to, you know, have the data pull the data from the cloud and put it out in authentic uh, mechanisms and use it. And we are using Amazon uh, S3 server. For the base map, what we have done, we have used Mapbox data set. So this is the base about, uh, you know, uh, the geospatial uh, tools which we are using. When it comes to the data sources, the data sources are different according to the geographies. But we do have some of the common data sets. Like if I talk about infrastructure data, we do have road network data. We have the data on population density because population is also, uh, population helps us to identify the demand of the area. We have got, uh, so all of this data set which I'm talking about is open source data, which we have gotten uh, through different uh, uh, websites and web portals. And we are using this data set. So the data set is present there uh, in the system and we have a, uh, metadata which tells, tells also the source of the data set and uh, from where we have received the data and what is the data license agreement. So in supply, we talk about global horizontal irradiance. We talk about wind speed. We talk about hydropower potential for small scale. We all we only use for small scale hydropower potential, which is less than 25 megawatt, because if it goes for more than 25 megawatt, we also need to check for environment sustainability there. And when we talk about infrastructure, the mostly the data set which we are looking is the location of power plants, the transmission lines, what is the accessibility to the cities, how much time does it take to reach to the major city, what is the distribution line, what is the distribution substations. So this is the data set which is, uh, you know, uh, energy data set. But then we also have data set in the terms of uh, Cropland, protected area, financial institutions. What is, you know, uh, province uh, data on terms of bioenergy available in terms of, of manure. And uh, so when I said we are using uh, protected area, we always use a buffer to remove the protected areas because generally protected areas are the ones which cannot be used for any kind of development and that they has to they have to be protected environmentally. Mm -hmm. Okay, so so from what I from, from what you said now, I see that the EAE is a truly holistic, very holistic platform in the sense that it really covers a whole lot of apart from the energy needs and energy supply, also a lot of the uh, human infrastructure and the human and socioeconomic aspects of that area, and 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 the fact that it's open source, I think, is really really important and is really commendable because. You know, these days, such such information is integral to, to planning energy needs, especially in this part of the, the world. And we know that uh, funding here is not as good as maybe in more developed areas. So the fact that it's open source, you know, enables it to be deployed in even some of the poorest areas of the world. And, and I, I really need to thank you and your team for doing that for the rest of the world. Thank you so much for that. You know, I, I'm so excited about this platform and I can't wait for it to get to even us here so that we can really use it to plan and even improve our energy, you know, energy supply in this part of the world. So thank you so much, Akansha, for that. 
Thank you. <laughs> okay, then. So uh, let's just go ahead into the methodology because, you know, you, you already explained a lot about what goes into the EAE, but then you also said something about, there's, there's something about multi-criteria analysis. So, so I'm assuming that with all these parameters that you already mentioned, the data sources and data sets that you have, you use a form of multi-criteria analysis to basically assess everything and come to a conclusion or a result. Is this right? Right. So uh, that's completely correct. So one of the main functions of an AGXS Explorer is multi-criteria analysis to identify areas of interest to expand energy access. So our multi-criteria analysis produces four indices. One of them is energy access potential, then there's demand index, then there's supply index, and then need for assistance index. So what we have done is to develop these indices, we have placed all the indicators on a comparable scale. The platform has uh, availability of simple and linear, uh, simple linear and logarithmic transformation. Then the data sets are normalized from a scale of 0 to 1 according to the threshold. The threshold are determined using different methods like correlations, literature review, and we have we have had uh, a lot of stakeholder expert, you know, consultations so that we know uh, since we don't come exactly from all the spheres, so we understand. And then uh, we have also given it as a customization in the content management system so that the platform administrator can customize it. What we do is we also uh, take distance raster, which are, you know, inverted to create a proximity rasters so that, you know, we know how far uh, a place is in, term, uh, in terms of another place. So, you know, so if it is the proximity raster is zero, it means the indicators are, you know, not very far away from that point. Uh, it's like the same point and as they go, the distance increases. Then the process data set goes into calculation of uh, MCA, which creates the MCA. And this MCA is at uh, one square kilometer. So let me talk about one of the indices. Let's talk about demand index. So demand index is, you know, weighted sum of normalized demographic data and social productive use. What we do is the formula inverts percentage of people who live below poverty to produce provide a number of people who live, live above poverty, which can be used as a proxy to identify the people which can pay because purchasing power becomes important there. Then we use the proximity to the social and productive uses like schools, hospitals, mines, that, uh, so that you know higher values highlight the area closer to potential demand. We also use nightlight uh, data to identify the areas where there is already light and existing demand for electricity. This The product of this demand index has a high value where people have ability to pay and are close to productive uses and have current demand for electricity, which creates a map of existing and potential demand. Okay, so basically you use the MCA to create a map of existing demand and potential demand and also to map areas where there is ability to pay for and not ability to pay for, okay. Yes. So what happens when we talk about ability to pay and doesn't have ability to pay, that's where demand index and assistance need index take place of picture. Because if there's a place where there's already people have purchasing power and they are willing to pay for some services, uh, energy entrepreneurs can come and put in the system there and they both can have, you know, 
a similar you know beneficial win win relationship but if the people do not have uh, purchasing power or they don't have ability to pay and we know electricity is so important it plays a very important role even 124 of sdgs target out of 169 are, de- are dependent on access to energy like education health so there government can come and put in uh, you know funds and give assistance to the area where uh, assistance need is required so that's why we have two different kinds of indices okay all right that's that's very clear then and and the fact that it's uh, deployed in poorer areas we know that not everybody in those areas will be able to pay for energy so then there's ability for you know government funded or needs funded um the energy so so thank you for for that um i think i'll just go right ahead into other questions okay so um can the data on, on EAE, can it be accessed by the general public or it's just the government and the individuals that consult you that can access it? So, for example, if it was deployed in Nigeria, for example, can I go to the EAE and then look for my area and what the EAE says about energy demands in my area? Can I do such? Yes, the platform is open source and the data uh, and the information about the data is also provided on the metadata, including the data source and the license. So anybody can go and see the platform and they can also go to the data source, which has been given in the platform from the metadata and download the data for themselves. Okay, so can they, can any form of querying or analysis be done on there? For example, if they wanted to take the data sets themselves and see what the uh, indices different indices combined can give them can something like that be done or it's just going to be like go there and download the data sets there so uh the data which is in the app they can be used directly by the users there they can you find out the different indices change the weights and change the you know proximity rasters and the multi criteria also they can change on the fly and get the data set but and then they can also find the points highest you know top 100 locations or top 10 locations but if they want to do any of the analysis which is uh, not provided by energy access explorer at the moment then we would request them to download the data and then do it offline because energy access explorer is a limited tool with uh, a clear set of goals which is to you know help in if uh, you know effective decision making and uh, so we are trying to add more data set more uh, analysis in that but it's a work in progress all right all right that's perfectly understood so can i can i know a bit more about how the data there on there now currently is being accessed like uh if you have things like hits per minute or hits per day how 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 is usage coming along how is utilization coming along is there a way to track this so uh, we have started tracking users fairly recently and uh, since then we have had over 2000 returning users so we don't track it in terms of per day or per month and since the uh, the subscription we also don't ask for uh, any login or credentials so we are just tracking if we are getting a uh, returning users and that also is like fairly recently we just started i think 4 or 5 months back okay okay it it sounds like a fair amount of 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 users and i'm sure that even after this episode and when people try get to know more about the benefits there'll be more and more and more returning users because it's actually a very cool platform so when launching this platform in different countries 
do you use the same approach or there are different and unique approaches to different countries yeah so i would say you know we follow a similar approach similar approach in the sense like partnering with the local agencies scoping for data and tools introducing the tool to potential stakeholder users or data providers we have launches and trainings but all the countries have countries vary and they have unique backgrounds and details in the data partners so there is a built in web structure from all countries that benefit from the tools functionality infrastructure and cms so what we do is even though the approach is similar but each country is customized to its unique needs and data and i should also mention here that eae is a result of you know efforts of not only one person but a great amazing team and i'm like really glad to be a part of team so it's like a similar approach but accord customized according to the country and their needs and the data yeah all right perfectly so so as an offshoot of that could you talk us through a case study of one of the countries that you've deployed like how you were able to do all these things in that country what was the reception like Yeah so very recently uh, we have uh, you know for Kenya we have done this and that's uh, uh, you know what we did was first we understood uh, there was local partners data and engagement we understood what is the energy in Kenya like if you talk about Kenya census the great powered home they grew from 16% in 2005 to 50.4% in 2019 and the same happened with solar solar grew from 2% to 19% so we you know we mapped all these data and then we uh, you know then we talk to kenya like what is uh, uh, kenya's uh, county energy plan and then we understood what they want to do and then uh, what we understood is like they are doing this but the counties they lack the necessity capacity and geospatial technology to develop these plans so wri is energy access explorer you know it uh, took uh, uh, you know it uh, came into picture and then we uh, allowed them to you know uh, so uh, it was like uh, it can help energy planners like what is the distribution and grid renewable network and then this uh, then tool can uh, you know then tool supported them with integrated energy planning to optimize grid extension and distributed renewable energy strategies and then what we did is now we are working with uh, uh, naro county in kenya to help them in integrated uh, energy planning so that uh, you know so ee is being used there as by energy planners to have inclusive and integrated uh, energy planning in kenya's narok and kitwi planting so this is a data driven integrated approach which will be and which once it is finalized it will be then used to scale to new geographies with minimal resources yeah so when we talked about narok county first with what what was done is like we what we were thinking of you know first thing was literature review data collection and harmonization which included collection of secondary data for the respective sectors collection of primary data and the synthesis of the data then we did resource assessment for biomass uh, and other relevant energy uh a relevant renewable energy data so we use spatially explicit data like solar wind to produce uh, maps then uh, what we did is we produce a least cost electrification plan the least cost electrification plan was you know based on onset modeling which is which is also an open source tool then we use gis based electricity consumption forecasting for that 
then we de uh, design different scenarios you know on different electricity consumption level and technology costing and then again we did least cost electrification analysis which and then maps were provided to the county energy planning then we are, we will integrate collected geospatial data into energy access explorer through our customized uh, system cms then 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 it is enhancement of web, web infrastructure and automated data processing and web maintenance and then once the whole thing is done we'll be you know compiling the integrated energy plans with the results and then it would be coordinated uh, you know it would be coordinated and given to the different thing and it would be uh, disseminated to the county government for adoption and then there is training oh yeah there is training definitely training of the people and stakeholders that will be involved in using it. Of course, thank you so much for that detail. I didn't even expect that level of detail. Thank you so much for that, for being so open. And also, um, one, I think I'll just round up now and say that, you know, I wanted to talk about EAE and clean energy adoption in African or sub-Saharan African countries. I understand that your work involves mapping energy supply and demand. And you also work with clean energy providers. You know, clean energy is something that a lot of countries and uh, parasitals are going more into in this green age. What would you say the atmosphere is around renewable energy uptake in sub-Saharan African countries? Because, you know, mm -hmm. for, for the fact that we have a lot of issues with energy supply, we have a lot of sunlight and a lot of wind energy here. Renewable energy could really help us solve most of these our energy problems. So as per the potential use of renewable energy and the actual uptake, what do you think disparity there is? So, uh, you know, renewable energy uptake across countries varies due to different policies, energy sources and financing. Uh, the biggest uh, barrier is, we would say, is financing since the countries tend to go for more affordable solution to meet its energy demands as the main concern is usually the low energy rates in Africa. Right. However, the potential for energy, renewable energy is very high due to, uh, you know, hydro, wind uh, and solar potential in many countries. Equally, a lot of awareness is being created on the environment, economic and health benefits of renewable energy. Solar is gaining popularity as an alternative source of energy due to its relative affordability in the recent years as compared to uh, other energy sources. And uh, uh, many households, what happens is like in some cases, it's, you know, uh, cheaper to con uh, have a uh, standalone off-grid connection to the households and have a uh, rechargeable solar lantern. So uh, SSA uh, countries generally offer a unique mix of potential market for renewable energy due to largely low access rates and high potential for renewable energy system. But uh, financing options is something which is, you know, needs to be have a little bit focus especially a focus on power users effectiveness so that there is a long-term sustainability okay so from what i understand by that but you know renewable energy use basically is coming up in the environment on a local level now like you said renewable energy lamps and you know off-grid systems for individual households that's really what's, you know, gaining ground here. And I see, I, I'm, I'm assuming that it's the same for most other sub-Saharan African countries. So I just wanted to hear your own view on that. And it basically confirms it. So, so thank you so much for that. Then uh, uh, the last question I would like to ask now is, um, 
concerning investors and you know private investors into the renewable energy markets in Africa. So maybe you could want to elaborate on the fact that you know there is significant uptake in renewable energy investment. So the EAE can help investors identify areas where their investment can make the most impact in supporting local economies and helping local communities while work making significant ROI. Now, I took this from your doc, a document for e, EAE. Could you elaborate a bit on, on, on this quote? Right. So uh, this is where uh, when we were talking about the demand index and assistance need index, it comes into picture. So suppose a renewable energy company which wants to go and, uh, you know, put, a, uh, say, a solar uh, solar lighting and they know that there is a demand there and people have purchasing power. So they can put it in a place where people have purchasing power, where people would be willing to pay some kind of monthly rental or, you know, uh, an EMI kind of a thing so that they also get the benefit. The company is not in the loss and the people are also getting benefit and this then helps in economic development. This becomes more important when energy is being used for livelihood. Say if they are putting uh, your freezers or chillers and uh, for uh, you know uh, for husk uh, husky husking so that the communities also gain from energy and uh, you know the investors also gain from their investment because the communities are willing to pay them for the investment okay perfect then so i think i really want to add a bit more about yourself because we've really been talking about energy and energy what uh, inspires you about the eae as a whole what inspires you from a personal point of view i mean that's a, that's actually a great question so uh eae i mean it's it's like you know it's it's a very good tool and before joining WRI, I was working in, so I have worked in geovisualization and data analysis for health sector. But, you know, it was only on health to identify how people are coming, what is what is the hotspot. But we have never thought of, uh, thought from the uh, energy perspective. And coming to health uh, WRI and then working on the uh, these, uh, uh, you know, working on the different data and understanding different indicators and actually going on the field, I I did realize how blessed we are how we are not to be thinking about energy and you know a, a simple thing as a girl uh, doesn't have can't go to school after she starts menstruating because there is no clean toilet which is again because there is no electricity they can't have uh, access to water so her education gets stopped there and it was like really difficult and then, you know, COVID came and we again realized what is the importance of vaccines, what is the importance of electricity. So, and there was a UNDESA report which says if there is no electricity in the schools, then, you know, there's a higher dropout rate. So all these things made me, you know, more empathetic, empathetic and made me realize that how important it is that, energy, you know, it should be reliable, affordable and sustainable energy. Having energy access is important, but if a person is not able to pay for it, then it really doesn't make sense that's why affordability and reliability mix is you know it's very important so i'm like i'm very glad with the team i'm working and on the work we are doing so it's like super cool super cool definitely <laughs> that's super cool and thank you so much akansha and the team at wri for the eae which is actually a blessing a blessing to energy planning and energy needs assessment in this part of the world and thank you so much uh we hope to see more hoptic 
of the platform from now on and you know maybe one of these days we could get back together and talk about the successes that he has brought so thank you so much akansha thank you thank you for having us here and that brings us to the end of today's episode i hope you've had as amazing a time as i have bringing this to you if you did remember to subscribe on any platform you get your podcast from so you get notified every time a new episode drops also we'd love to hear from you so if you have any comments requests or suggestions shoot us an email at gspatially@gmail.com or reach out to us on twitter at geospatially we are also on linkedin as geospatially africa podcast so we look forward to hearing from you bye